0: Innova is Northern Virginia's leading nonprofit healthcare provider. Today we're going to talk about its fact department, forensic assessment and consultation teams. We are Enge and Gesser. Welcome to Lantundochio Podcast. Um, today we have a guest speaker from Um, INOVA FACT Department, Ariel Ward. Thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. So why don't we start with uh, talking about what is the INOVA FACT Department and what services does it offer?
1: Sure, so the FACT Department, FACT stands for Forensic Assessment and Consultation Team. Okay. We are a specialized group of nurses and doctors who take care of victims of violence so that can be from anything from intimate partner violence so you know spouse on spouse um, to child abuse um, to sexual assault uh, so part of our role is um, that we take evidence collection and we treat uh, the medical ne- legal needs of of patients who've been assaulted.
2: Okay. Mm
3: -hmm. That's awesome. Um, So I know um, you guys have, I know that in the Fairfax, you have about six nurses and uh, one child care specialists. And um, can you discuss a little bit more about what their role is and how they, you know, interact with the uh,
1: survivors and um. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're we're really really lucky um, in our department. Both we have two locations actually right now. One in Fairfax and one in the Corn, Ed or the Cornwall location mm-hmm. in Leesburg. And we both both of our locations have dedicated child life specialists. And their role really throughout the hospital is to help prepare any patient under the age of 18. For what to expect so that can be for a blood draw for an x-ray any anything up to an exam for for child abuse or sexual assault and their role really is to to educate patients based on their developmental level so they are they're meeting that kid wherever they were you know wherever they are and explaining in um, terms that they understand what's mm-hmm. gonna happen during their visit. And they're really integral for us because we, it's, it can be such a long exam, um, and mm-hmm. especially for our, really, for our younger kids, uh, it can be very difficult. So if they know what to as- expect going in, mm-hmm. they're much more relaxed, and the experience overall is much more positive.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, when I was visiting your department, I uh, saw the um, little booklet that you guys have that uh, shows all the tests and like uh, very child friendly uh, words and pictures. And that was really uh, nice. And, uh, you know, one of the things when um, I'm a nurse, so I know that when you're talking to patients mm-hmm. if you explain everything that you're gonna do beforehand they usually reduce the anxiety so i think that was um really uh important and uh very nice to see that um that you have that and then you have like someone specialized in that yeah. to provide yeah. care.
1: and we do that i mean you know i i, I say that our child life specialists are are you know, great for that purpose, but really we're doing that with every patient. Um, probably I would say 80% of what we do feels like it's education, Mm -hmm. um, and addressing, addressing whatever anxieties people have immediately, Mm uh, because then like it kind of puts them at ease for the rest of the time. So if they come in and their number one concern is, you know, I'm worried about getting pregnant or I'm worried about getting a sexually transmitted infection or whatever the issue is. If we address that immediately, Mm -hmm. then the rest of the, the rest of the exam and the rest of the time they're in the department, it's just much more relaxed. So, so we really try and, and, um, and make sure that we're educating everyone Mm -hmm. about, everything before they make any decisions because it's a really complicated process Mm -hmm. and and it takes a lot of training to to get where we are um for our nurses and and for our doctors and so you know it's not information that you can just you can kind of give somebody in a 10 minute spiel sometimes you know it really Mm -hmm. takes a lot of um a lot of effort and thought and thoughtfulness to go through like everyone's options, all of their concerns. And we spend, you know, like I said, a, a, a good majority of the time that we're with patients, making sure that they understand what their options are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, that what they have the rights to do, whether or not they have to have law enforcement involved, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can, Talk about what uh,
3: sexual assault nurse examiner does, and then uh, if you can give us like a case study. Maybe let's say if I walk into your department and what what uh, to expect. Yeah, what the uh, nurse does and uh, what to expect from um, survivor's standpoint.
1: Sure. Okay. So, so you'll hear of quite a few different terms kind of thrown around. Mm-hmm. Some people call us sexual assault nurse examiners. Some call us forensic nurse examiners. Neither are wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: the official um training that you get is sexual assault nurse examiner adult uh adolescent and then sexual assault nurse examiner pediatric so they're two separate courses and they're usually some some are in person some are online it doesn't matter you know which you do as long as um we follow the guidelines of the international Association of forensic nurses excuse me so if and that's iafn Mm-hmm. Um, as long as, as long as the course is approved or okayed by them, it doesn't really matter how you take it in person for, versus online. And then you do a lot of training sort of on site. So it's a lot like, it's very similar to other certifications in terms of usually you work for a period of time before you sit for the actual certification.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so like your CCRN, things like that. Yeah. So once you've had that training, typically our nurses orient anywhere between three and six months. That's usually about average because mm-hmm. um, there's just a, a much larger learning curve for this type of work. You know, we're not used as nurses. Mm-hmm. We're not used to dealing with any legal matters. That's we're, right. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. not, uh, hopefully anyway, mm-hmm. we're not, you know, we're not testifying usually unless it's Unless it's, you know, something really went wrong. So, Mm -hmm. so it's, there's a lot of components that are very different. And, and knowing what, like what options patients have, because our exams aren't mandatory. Mm -hmm. It's elective. So if somebody, you know, outside of somebody who needed like an emergent medical need, which we address we don 't have to do anything that we do it 's all up to the patients mm-hmm. which is which is great in a lot of respects because it kind of gives folks the that control piece back that they may have lost, whether it 's because they were in a you know an abusive relationship or have had some sort of abusive guardian or you know or they were sexually assaulted by someone you know whatever it is it kind of gives people. The, the chance, including children, to really make, to, have, to be able to make some decisions. And sometimes those decisions are as easy as, do you want to put on the gown now or would you rather go to the bathroom first? You know, mm-hmm. just making sure that people really feel like they're in control.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, so once you've had that training, um, like I said, it's usually about three to six months of some, some type of orientation with other professionals who've done this. And then um, and then you can sit for a certification after a certain amount of hours are completed. Mm-hmm. I see. And I would say in terms of uh, like a typical case, like what to expect, um, it, it usually patients arrive to our department in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they call a sexual assault or domestic violence hotline, um, sometimes it is CPS or Child Protective Services that is calling us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's law enforcement or a detective calling us. Sometimes it's an advocate from one of our community partners who's calling us to schedule something. Sometimes it's somebody from the emergency room who's calling us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, sometimes it's a doctor's office who you know and they have a patient who made a disclosure or a psychologist or counselor or somebody who had a patient who made a disclosure and they're just you know they want to make sure that they have the best information so that they can give the patients to make the decision Mm -hmm. usually we'll try and touch base if if we have the ability to with a patient before they get to us so that we can do a little bit of of educating prior to them getting there and then once we've established that the patient wants to come to us and they want to do, let's say, in the case of a sexual assault, mm-hmm. it's um, and I'll give you a, a slightly non-complicated case, okay? Because uh, so there's there's some very various things that uh-huh. that uh, can change, but in a typical, let's say, adult, twenty five year old female. Who says, you know, two days ago they were sexually assaulted and they would like to come in for care? Mm-hmm. So, one of the first questions we're gonna ask is, um, you know, do you want evidence collection? And the important thing that we like for people to know, um, especially in terms of other healthcare providers, is that patients do not have to have. And, we're, and I'm talking about our adult population. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to get too um, – th- there's a lot of uh, gray areas, yeah, with our pediatric population. Yeah. So I'll, I'll stick to, like, a typical adult patient. Um, mm-hmm. They do not have to have law enforcement involved in order to get evidence collection. Mm-hmm. So if you have a patient who, you know, one of the first questions is, you know, do you want evidence collected? And then once you've established that that's the case, um, then, you know, then we discuss when the patient would like to come in. Because although we want people to come in as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible, for something like a, um, there's there's certain timeframes that we can collect evidence. And um, we have basically, we have up to, five days, depending on the the type of assault to collect that evidence. So we just want to make sure that we're still within the time frame, and that, um, that we know what the patient really wants, because some people don't want evidence collected Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Maybe they're just looking for resources Mm -hmm. or maybe they're, you know, they want to make sure that they're, you know, that they're healthy and that, and, and, and based on those answers, we will help them make the decision on whether or not it's appropriate to come to us. And then once they get to our department, they'll get registered much like you would in the emergency room or at a doctor's office. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically we like to have our patients. um, We're really lucky in Northern Virginia. Most of our communities will send out a hospital accompaniment or advocate Mm -hmm. to, to be with the patient at the time of the exam to offer resources. So, uh, an example of that might be if, if a patient lives in Arlington or was assaulted in Arlington door, doorways, they would send an advocate out to offer services. So that can be anything from housing, mm-hmm. emergency housing, um, to safety issues, to emergency protective mm-hmm. orders. So they're helping across the board with that type of, that type of stuff. Um, and that's true of all of our all of our communities in Northern Virginia. So mm-hmm. so there with that, we have that resource in case we need it. And so typically we'll have the patient um, talk with the advocate for a bit, just to make sure if there are any concerns that, we're able, that they can start the whatever process they might need to be starting. Um, and then we will talk to the patient. And when we're talking to the patient, we're usually getting a health history, mm-hmm. um, circumstances of the event, Um, and, and knowing that everyone is at a different stage when they're with us, if someone declines to give us information or certain information, that's okay. We don't want to like re-traumatize people. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so, you know, based on what that, what that person needs at that time, um, and they can always retract consent. So if, for instance, I tell a patient... You know, I'm gonna swab your neck for mm-hmm. DNA. And when we get into the exam, mm-hmm. you know, prior to the exam, they may say, "Yes, that's totally fine." And when we get into the exam room, they say, "You know what? I don't want you to swab that area. Mm-hmm. That the, you know, that is a hundred percent okay. There is nothing, um, nothing holding the patients there. Um, we don't bill anyone's insurance for for our visits." Um, they're all paid for by either um, a state fund uh, or you know or th- through the hospital so there's mm-hmm. no there is no payment that happens
2: mm-hmm.
1: in our department um, so there's no you know there's no penalty for for leaving or anything like that um, and we usually make that pretty clear that that patients have the right to choose what they want to do and they can decline anything. And help them make those decisions because sometimes it's not a great, not an easy decision to make. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll explain the exam and then we'll do our physical exam. Um, And that's a lot like, you know, a normal uh, medical visit. So we're just looking at, you know, blood pressure and height and weight and making sure, um, you know, listening to people's hearts and lungs and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then we do our evidence collection piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also offer testing for sexually transmitted infections and things like that. So if a patient mm-hmm. opts to do that, then we will, will also do that at that time.
0: Yeah. G- um, I wanted to, uh, at this point, I just want to summarize some of the very important points that you made, mm-hmm. um, from, uh, we, uh, we discussed about this topic earlier with other speakers, but, um, you know, coming from different country, uh, the immigrant populations,
2: mm-hmm.
0: in addition to the language barrier, um, a lot of things um, are, you know, people are very unfamiliar with, for example, what, what happens when they call nine um, mm-hmm. on do, do they, you know, get all the information that could you know, have um, not necessarily positive consequences. And secondly, if they go to a hospital for any reason, there could be enormous, you know, bills coming later. So yes. based on your, um, you know, based on your mm-hmm. comments, we can, we can conclude that um, in a hypothetical situation, if you're a victim, um, first of all, you can uh, reach you, uh, reach mm-hmm. the department by calling 911 or
2: mm-hmm. other
0: hotline number. Mm -hmm. And second of all, everything. uh, Secondly, everything is uh, free will. You know, a
2: lot of Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, Uh, and and most importantly, there are there are no costs associated with it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So and 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 that you know we don't bill patients insurance um, outside of federally funded insurance. Um, and that's because most of the, most of the funding is coming from, uh, state anyway. So, Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, they're, they're still not going to get anything that would be sent home. That would be, you know, anything that would indicate that they were with us. Our, our, um, our encounters in our electronic medical record system Mm -hmm. are very private, Mm -hmm. There's not much that other providers can see. So for instance, if you had another ANOVA doctor, they would only be able to see certain things and not the full encounter that we have. Mm -hmm. So, so we maintain some privacy there as well. And again, patients don't have to, don't have to have law enforcement involved. So if they call, let's say they show up at the emergency room and say, you know, I want I want to talk to one of the forensic or sane nurses, um, then your forensic providers, then they, you know, usually what would happen is a social worker would come out and talk to them and then they would be directed directly to us. Mm -hmm. So if they, if someone needed to be seen in the emergency room because they had a medical emergency outside of the like medical legal care for, 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 um, like evidence collection and medical care for mm-hmm. us for sexual assault or, child or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If they needed to be seen in the emergency room, that that is not part of our encounter. So patients would potentially get billed for that emergency room visit. However, um, in in some circumstances, if it's related to a crime, they can get reimbursed through um, through certain state funds. So. Uh, th- and there's also you know, charity care and, and things like that through the hospital. So we try and help patients navigate all of that as well. So if they do need to seek emergency care, there are ways if they're a victim of crime to get to get help with reimbursement for, um, for those costs.
0: How do you ensure that a person with no English gets the proper service?
1: So throughout the ANOVA health system – we have various ways of um, of getting uh, interpreters. So it might be that we're using in some sort of interpreter over the phone. We try very, very hard um, if we have even just a little bit of time mm-hmm. to get uh, an in person translator. And usually, we're able to do that by the time that the patient gets there and get registered and things like that. We're able to find um, find an in person interpreter. Mm-hmm. We also have um, this; it's like a iPad on a on a stick, essentially, and we're able to remote into interpretation over through that, um, including sign language, which is great mm-hmm. because those are often very difficult. Um, Interpreters to find so we have access to that and it's video so obviously so that it's so um, So we can utilize that if we need to um, Patients also have the option to decline that the you know those interpretations mm-hmm. and Use a personal interpreter if they wish. We do discuss with them, you know, what the limitations might be, but they have the option to do that as well. So if they have a family friend or somebody that they really wanted to interpret for them, versus someone you know they weren't comfortable with, mm-hmm. that's okay. All of the interpreters we, that that we use through the hospital, though, are obviously trained and um, especially with it, like within the scope of medicine. So. So you know they have plenty of training. There should be no worries on on using them. But you know, it everyone has a personal preference, so they have that option if if need be. Um, and we try to our you know our hardest, obviously, to accommodate whatever people feel the most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But we found we have found that it seems much more um, personal and positive if we can get an in-house interpreter. So we try very hard to do that if we can. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: Sounds
2: I
1: was
3: I was uh, talking to Mary Hale, the director of Fact Department, and uh, she was mentioning that um, the um, victims can choose to hold off on the evidence collection. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me more about
1: that? so is your question is like if somebody wants to have evidence collected but not have law enforcement involved correct or okay gotcha okay so um so if someone wants to have if they were sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. we collect evidence through what's called a perk or physical evidence recovery kit Mm -hmm. and and if someone has law enforcement involved what would happen is that kit that we collect is sealed with evidence tape and that kit goes to law enforcement and law enforcement brings it to the crime lab. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, if someone is not reporting to law enforcement, so if someone has not decided or is not sure what they want to do, or perhaps they never want to report to law enforcement, but they want that option in the future, then we can collect that evidence and we send it to be stored at a storage facility in Richmond. Mm -hmm. It gets stored for at least two years. And if patients want that extended another 10 years, Mm -hmm. they can call and have that done. So, um, so essentially the option, you know, it keeps their options open for approximately another 12 years at least. Mm -hmm. Um, There are different timeframes for every state. There are different time timeframes uh, for military military law enforcement, those types mm-hmm. of things. But for Virginia, it gets stored for two years. After two years, if the patient wants to extend, they can extend it another 10 years.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question. Sure. Um, under what circumstances um, you will have to report it to them?
1: That's, That's a really good question, actually. Um, so... It, If, if it's a, if it's sexual assault, that portion we do not, and they're adults, that portion we don't have to report. And again, this is very specific to ANOVA and our department. Um, you know, some things are mandated by the state, but I don't want to speak for every program in Virginia, for Mm -hmm. instance. Um, so I don't want to like confuse anyone, Mm -hmm. but, um, if they're an adult, um, if it's something that we're mandated to report, for instance, something that we're mandated to report to adult protective services, um, like any abuse or neglect, then we have to call those, those into adult protective services. Um, If that doesn't fall under that case um, for anyone, we have to report any non self-inflicted wound caused by a gun or a knife. Mm -hmm. And then we also have varying, Reporting laws as mandated reporters as healthcare workers to child protective services as well
0: mm-hmm. So if
1: we suspect any child abuse um, Then we have to make those mandated reports to them uh, There are different The way in which we handle the pediatric Cases can be a little bit different
2: mm-hmm.
1: But essentially anyone over the age of 13 so or 13 and over excuse me they also have the option not to report to law enforcement as long as it doesn't fall under any of the Child Protective Service uh, legal mandates that we, that we have to, are mandated to report. Mm-hmm.
2: Does
1: that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yes. Um, I, I, read in, uh, I read a very interesting question on, mm-hmm. on your website. Does the FACT Department only do exams for women?
1: No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we are. We do. Men, women, transgender, any, anything, everything. We will take care of anyone at any time, um, for any reason, if it's within our scope.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it.
1: And we have had. Uh, there's another common misconception that uh, that men are not victims of spousal abuse. That is not correct. <laughs> we have had plenty of male um, victims of intimate partner violence. Uh, sometimes it's in a same same-sex relationship. Sometimes it's in uh, male-female. Uh, you know, whatever it is. But we 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 see everyone and take care of them all the same. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there any publicly available statistics on uh, on that? On-,
1: on on our demographics? Yes. You know. That's a really good question. I know we have a breakdown because we're mandated to report some things to, um, uh, because we are, um, we're funded in a couple different ways. We're really lucky because we have the Ewing family who donates money to our department, which is, uh, which is really incredible. And then, uh, you know, that really, these programs are very hard to sustain. So the fact that we have that, is crucial. We also have grant funding mm-hmm. that we have certain um, specifications that we have to. So one of the things essentially is uh, demographics. So I know they exist, but I don't know if they are made public or not. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. see wh- I don't see why not. I can tell you that that for sure the numbers of. Um, of men that we see are lower than what's actually happening, mm-hmm. um, and that's across the board really for for all genders and all races. Um, I think the rate of domestic violence is much higher higher regard you know regardless of sex, age, um, race, anything, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, you know I think in part that's because. People don't know that the services exist. Um, that And there's, you know, there's misconceptions about whether or not they would have to pay, whether or not people have to have law enforcement involved, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that we have anything, like, readily available in terms. So I can tell you anecdote, anecdotally, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I would say probably I've seen maybe – Fifteen percent of our patients are male mm-hmm. um, they're about it 's certainly increased in the last few years, which is what we want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to make sure that everyone feels comfortable getting services for, regardless of of um, sex age all, you know any, all of that mm-hmm. so I think we 're getting the word out more, but it it's, it is definitely significantly less than our female population.
3: Mm-hmm. Um I was reading on um Fairfax Times about the fact department and um, there's um I know a fact department sees about average of 60 to 65 patients every month um and that doesn't that includes also intimate partner violence and other forms mm-hmm. of violence and has that number this this was done in 2017 has that number increased or
1: yes yes, yes. Uh-huh. we've we've uh-huh. seen i think all told we we've, we've seen about 100 i think we saw about 107 patients in february Wow, And yeah, February? wow. Yeah, uh-huh. so I I don't remember what our January numbers were mm-hmm. but um but it's it's uh, you know, I think in two thousand two thousand fifteen or sixteen we saw about five hundred and fifty patients for the year. Uh-huh. In two thousand nineteen we went over a thousand. Or thereabouts. So, yeah. So we're definitely seeing more, which is great. I think people are taking advantage of the, of the services. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people in the community know that the services exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's certainly helping. And then the fact that we have, you know, we have nurses available 24-7. That also helps. We have, right now we have about... Uh, six full time and part time nurses mm-hmm. um, and then about six per diem or for um p r n meaning they those nurses usually are just on call for the department
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but we we cover twenty four seven so because it's available and we have coverage we're able to see you know to see more people mm-hmm.
3: now um we santa uh, has a child protection center Mm -hmm. in mongolia Mm -hmm. and we provide uh, medical legal and social and psychological services Mm -hmm. um, to children who have been abused or neglected um, also if they have been trafficked and i want to know a little bit more about um How you provide services to children, and uh, if you have any recommendation for people who work uh, specifically in uh, those area?
1: Sure, sure. So, um, I would say, you know, for for our pediatric population, obviously, we see both child abuse and sexual assault. Mm our medical directors see all of the child abuse cases. So whether that's, um, abuse or neglect, those Mm -hmm. types of things. Um, in terms of, you know, the services that we provide um, are very much like we would uh, we're providing for our adult population, Uh the sort of meeting the medical legal needs. So is it documenting injuries, things like that? Is it documenting, um, whatever, you know, medical needs they might have, um, For our child abuse cases, is it looking at bone scans to see if they're, you know, if over time, if there have been multiple injuries, Mm -hmm. um, you know, additionally, um, we're making sure for our sexual assault patients that they don't have a sexually transmitted infection. It's terrible to think about and no one wants to, but you know, if a child has a sexually transmitted infection, Mm -hmm. that means that it occurred because of sexual abuse. So Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a 12 year old should not have a sexually transmitted infection. Mm -hmm. Um, And those things, I think it's important to mention that, you know, all of the all of the testing that we do is considered what's called chain of custody so everyone who touches that specimen is accounted for and that is important because if something is going to be used like in a court of law then everyone that's had anything to do with that whether it's evidence uh uh it's for a specimen for sexually transmitted infection, anything like that, uh, that, that everyone is accounted for so that there's no question mm-hmm. who, where that specimen was or where that evidence was at any time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So anybody who touched it is accounted for. Mm. And that can be important for legal purposes because you're, you know, you're making sure that there's no question whether or mm-hmm. not that, Specimen was at patient's, or that, you know, physical evidence recovery kit was taken off of that patient, or you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, for providers, uh, you know, I think there's certainly a there's we could we could probably spend hours and hours talking uh-huh. about about what the best you know what the best things to do for for you know for uh-huh. our child abuse cases. Um, And ch- you know that includes physical assault and sexual assault. I think the best thing you can do is believe them. <laughs> uh-huh. Really, that the you know there the instances. This is an old statistic, but I'll use it anyway because I think it's probably still somewhat valid. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, there is no more false reporting of sexual assault than there is of any other crime.
2: Mm.
1: And that was, a I think it was a statistic put out by the FBI. Um, so mm-hmm. there's, so you know, so you're no more likely to report a false sexual assault than you are any other crime. Mm. So, you know, so the best thing you can do, especially for a child is listen to what they're saying mm-hmm. and, and believe them and support them because kids are, really resilient, but they're not if they don't have an adult to support them. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, you really want to make sure, especially with kids, sometimes the best evidence is their disclosure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if someone discloses to you something in a in a medical setting that you're really documenting exactly what they say. Um and that you you know you're not you know for us at least in terms of interviewing children, mm-hmm. typically we would let someone who has for who's had for specific forensic interviewing um, training mm-hmm. to to interview those kids about what happened because they you really want to make sure that whatever information you you have have obtained from that child, that there's no question of whether you know it was a leading question or Mm. that you put some sort of idea in their head, et cetera, et cetera. So there's Mm -hmm. specialized training to have that done. And so, you know, you don't wanna all that being said, as a provider, sometimes you don't want to ask too many questions. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, just getting the ba- basic information is good enough, and then you can let other people who have had specialized training ask those questions. So, so it's okay to talk, you know, to, to, to document what was told to you, of course, um, but you don't necessarily need to get every single detail. Mhm that makes sense. Yeah. Um that's very interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's really uh, you know it's, it's fascinating actually yeah. to to watch some of those interviews and and the 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 mechanisms and the techniques that they use are really you know it's really very well thought out so mm-hmm. that so that you're getting the correct information, you mm-hmm. know. Um
3: yeah I was also listening to another podcast and basically the questions you ask from child is so much different than you ask from an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're interviewing mm-hmm. those Yeah and children. Right. it can you know because yeah.
1: for instance you you want to use whatever language they are using. So if mm-hmm. they call you know if if they call their foot uh, you know, a pillow or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. You want to use that same language, uh-huh. uh? Because that's what they—that's what they consider, you know, their—that's what they're calling that 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 thing. And and a lot of times, especially with um, sexual assault, the people have all kinds of terms for their genital area. So using those, you know, using whatever verbiage that patient is or your child is using is can be important. And it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: I, uh, when I was in uh, nursing school, uh, we did have this training um, of a person who had been abused and uh, how to basically get the, um, like if they come into an emergency room and they, um, they don't disclose information if the uh, maybe like trafficker or the mm-hmm. is um, in the room is in the room. So mm-hmm. like, you have to figure out way to get the person out of the room. And yes. I, I remember that um, training very um, and it was very interesting. And um, I was thinking if a child comes to your department and mm-hmm. if their parents uh, may be yes. the um, abuser, how, uh, maybe may like legally and also um, is, is it okay to ask those questions?
1: And Yes. So a lot of times by the time they've made it to our department, mm-hmm. the, the perpetrator is well known so so we would know if it was a guardian or a parent or whomever you know Mm -hmm. um and that person would not be there Mm -hmm. however that is not always the case i mean we have had circumstances where a uh, we've it may not be that the parent or guardian is the one doing the direct um you know assault whatever that is so maybe a patient's 13. Relative. yeah exactly mm-hmm. something right mm-hmm. and but we find out during our visit that parents are you know abusing or you know something to that effect uh-huh and when that happens we are mandated to report that information to cps and or you know if we feel like the person isn't in enough danger mm-hmm. it's within our within our rights you know we can call law enforcement
2: uh-huh
1: um so, you know, it's certainly, it's usually not the case that we're finding uh-huh. out that the perpetrator is a parent during that. But, you know, there's some questions, you know, like, let's say the let's say the guardian brings them in and, you know, the, it, the perpetrator is not somebody that's a, a family member or a guardian or whatever. Mm-hmm. There are still questions that any, you know, people of any age don't feel comfortable answering in front of. Other people yes. or don't always want their parent there or their especially you know, for teenagers mm-hmm. and depending right? on yeah exactly, and depending on the age, like sometimes we're we're we can we can be pretty savvy about getting information that doesn't make the patient mm-hmm. uncomfortable, you know yes. uh-huh. so sometimes it's like even in like let's say it's a in a you're concerned about a patient who's you know been trafficked or whatever the concern is you know you there are ways in which you can ask you know whoever is in the room that to leave um sometimes that doesn't work so sometimes you're asking questions in the bathroom when you're taking a patient to the bathroom uh-huh. Uh-huh. so there's you know uh-huh. there's always a way uh-huh. um and that happens a lot of times with our teens, you know, mm-hmm. that we want to relate. We want to talk about things that maybe they're uncomfortable talking to their parents about, like mental health issues even. Like mm-hmm. they may not want to disclose in front of their parent that they've been feeling really depressed mm-hmm. um, and things like that. So so we really, we try and make it as comfortable as we can. And sometimes, like I said, those, you know, in an effort not to make anyone feel like, they're uncomfortable. We we might ask those questions um, in untraditional areas like the bathroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh-huh.
0: <laughs> so um, this is very um, interesting and valuable information. But unfortunately, our um, episode is coming to an end. But uh, I, in the end, uh, if what would be something that you want the listeners to remember about FACT?
1: I think the the easiest thing to do is if you're a victim of any type of violence and or you wanna give resources to somebody who's a victim of violence who may want some sort of medical forensic care, Mm -hmm. um, that to just, you know, you can call the a hotline they can get you in touch with us. Um, you can also call our hospital operator and say that you need to speak to, you know, a forensic nurse or sexual assault nurse, and we are available twenty four seven to answer questions. So it, so if you take away nothing, even you know, including providers, so patients, providers, anybody who has any question about whether or not it's appropriate for someone to seek care through us can call because if we can't, you know, if it's not appropriate for someone to, to, to get care through our department, we can at, le- at the very least help find resources. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so, so there's hotlines and, you know, available in every single jurisdiction in, in Northern, or sorry, excuse me, in Arlington, it's doorways. So they have a 24 seven hotline. You can mm-hmm. get tons of information from them. And if you have any questions about any of the medical care, they can link you to us. You mm-hmm. can call the hospital operator and and ask to one of us, or, or excuse me, ask to speak to one of us for
2: mm-hmm. for
1: information. Um, because there's so many nuances and and things that you know that takes that take our team years to mm-hmm. learn that. You know, the most, the easiest thing for for people who are seeking care and or or have any questions about seeking care or whatever it is, is to, you know, either call one of the the hotlines or call and ask to speak to one of our our staff members to to get guidance. Mm -hmm.
0: So thank you very much today for your time, Ariel.
3: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for a lot of good
1: information. Thank you. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you so much.
0: On this episode, we had a pleasure talking with Ariel Ward from Innova Fact Department. We hope that the information was of high value and please share it with your family and friends. The episode was co-hosted by Enge and Gesser from Lantundo Thank you and have a great day.